All right, well, let's go right to God's Word. If you want to take out your sermon note sheets, you'll find that inside your bulletin that will help you better follow along. I want to welcome those also that are watching online with us. How many of you were here in person last week or you watched online? Let me see your hands. Okay, I got to tell you something. I am so super proud of you because you knew what we were going to talk about today and you still came back, right? <laughs> we are in week number two in a month-long series called From the Beginning. And we're learning in this series from the Bible about God's design for sexuality. Now, many of you probably feel a little bit like I did when my dad had to talk with me. How many of you had a parent that had to talk with you? You remember that when they had the talk? Well, I, here's, here's what happened when we had the talk. Um, I listened to my father the whole time with a pillow over my head. In fact, I just remember thinking to myself, if I don't make eye contact, this will be so over quick. We just want to get this over as quick as possible. But I got to tell you, I am thankful that he took the time to talk to me about this subject. And I believe, although this subject, I think, makes a lot of us a little bit uncomfortable, a little <laughs> bit uneasy, my hope is that you too will be thankful that we had this talk together. Because one of the things that I told you last week is this, God is for you, not against you when it comes to your sexuality. That's why you need to know what he has to say about it and how he wants you to function in it properly. And if you will listen to him, no matter where you find yourself when it comes to this area, whether you're out of alignment or need to get in alignment, my prayer is that you will listen to what God has to say, because I promise you it will be one of the best things and best decisions that you ever make in your life. I think many of us have gone to church for years, but we really haven't heard all that many sermons on a subject like this. And in the meantime, uh, the tragedy of not talking about this is the world has swept in and indoctrinated us when it comes to this subject. And that's not a good thing because Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way of death. Boy, that is so very true when it comes to what the world teaches about sexuality. It, it puts people on a path that looks like a good path, but in the reality leads to death, leads to damage, leads to dysfunction. See, the world has brought, into, the world has a way of look, making things look like they're right, but they're not. Listen to these statistics when it comes to this whole area of sexuality. 36% of all internet traffic has to do with pornography. 36%. One in four Google searches is sexual in nature. One in 10 children will be sexually abused before the age of 18. And the number one reason for divorce is infidelity. Why, why is that? Well, it's because we've learned to handle as a culture, this thing called sexuality the wrong way. My prayer is that God, through this series, would not only renew your mind when it comes to this issue, but he would give you an understanding so that you can teach your kids as well. Because the road he wants you on when it comes to this subject, get this, will always put you on the way to life. It, it will, it, if you get on the right road when it comes to this subject, it'll lead to his blessings, it'll lead to his protection, it'll lead to the very best he has for you, and it'll also lead you to a better intimacy with your heavenly father. 
Now, did you know that the best way for a banker to spot counterfeit bills is to be familiar with what authentic bills look like? Well, it's the same when it comes to sexuality. The more you know what God has to say about sexuality and what it's supposed to look like, the better you will be prepared to be able to spot the ways that the world says is right but is not right. Now, last week, we started this series by looking at what Jesus had to say about sexuality. A lot of people get the idea that Jesus never talked about it. No, that's not true. We spent a whole week talking about it last week. And one of the very first things we learned about what Jesus had to say last week was this, and it's the first fill in the blank in your notes this morning. Sexuality has a divine design. Jesus confirmed that for us. Listen, God is the one who created us male and female. Do you understand that wasn't an accident? That was very purposeful. Male and females are both created in the image of God, but created different from one another. Think about that. Our bodies are biologically created different on purpose. And they're created different for a reason. And the question is, well, what reason is that? I mean, why didn't God just make everybody the same? There's a reason he didn't. It's because of this, because sexuality was designed with sex in mind. You know, the world would like to make us think that sex was its idea. I got news for you. Playboy did not invent sex. Okay? Some creepy man didn't say, hey, this would be cool. Let's do this. No, no. Believe it or not, this whole thing called sex was God's idea. And since God designed it, we need to let him define it. Amen? Amen. How it works, get this, came from his mind and his creativity. So think about this. He created the bodies and the different body parts for it. And here's what we all intuitively know. We all know that sex is a very powerful thing. And God understands that too. I mean, God actually created it to be a very powerful thing. Because it's so powerful, God instructs us to keep it within a boundary. The boundary he wants us to keep sex in is called marriage. And here's what you must get down if you're going to understand anything about sexuality biblically, and it's this. Sex was designed with marriage in mind. So I want you to think about it this way. Sex is a lot like fire. Okay, fire is a very good thing, and it's also a very powerful thing. Think about what fire can do. It can keep us warm. It can give us light. We can cook with it. But isn't it true, fire that's not contained properly can be very destructive. Think about that. Fire outside the fire pit can destroy a whole forest. Fire outside your oven can burn down your whole house. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to sex. It's the same thing that could come when it comes to sex outside of marriage. Inside of marriage, it could be a very powerful, wonderful thing. Sex outside of marriage could become a very dangerous thing that has the potential to cause a whole lot of destruction and damage, not only in your life, but in other people's lives that are associated with you. This is why God puts prohibitions on sexuality all throughout the scriptures. 
God puts boundaries on sex, get this, not to punish us, but to protect us. And I would even add, and to help us. You know, now we learned last week that any sexual activity outside of marriage is what the Bible refers to as sexual immorality. Now, when I preach on this subject, when I talk about keeping sex inside of marriage, here's what I always get as a pastor. I always get some pushback. And here's what I hear. Are you sure, pastor? Where does the Bible say that sex is only for marriage? I mean, listen, because here's what we've been taught. We've been taught by our world, if, if there's love there and it's consensual, then what could be wrong with it? There is a way that seems right, but in the end leads to death. Here's my answer to the question of where does the Bible say keep sex inside of marriage. You ready for this? Everywhere. In fact, I, came, I had someone at the end of service last week, one of our services come to me, and they came very respectful, and they really wanted to know, but they're like, where does it say that? And my answer to, that, to them in the Bible is it says it everywhere. If you read your Bible from cover to cover, you can't help but come to the conclusion that sex was designed with marriage in mind only. God is super, get this, super duper, 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 extra duper, clear about this in the Bible. Let me take you to Hebrews chapter 13 as we get started here. It says this, the writer writes, verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all. You know what that's saying? Otherwise, it's, it's saying don't disrespect it. Don't think it's no big deal. Don't just blow it off. You hold the institution of marriage that God established in very high honor. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Now, notice those words marriage bed there. It's the Greek word koite, and it literally means a place for laying down to have sexual intercourse. Understand the Bible is clear on this issue. Sex is to be kept for the marriage bed only. You are to function in purity in this area before you're married, while you're married, and even if your marriage is no more. God wants you to keep the marriage bed pure. But why? I mean, that's the real question, right? Now, you know this as a parent. Isn't it true? You give all kinds of instructions to your kids, and what's the questions they always ask? Why? Why do I have to go to bed early? Why do I have to go to school? Why do I? And as a parent, any good parent will give them the reason why. One of the things that I love about the Bible is God doesn't just say, don't do this and don't do that. Do you understand? All throughout the Bible, God gives us the why. He doesn't want us to do something. And here's what I want you to get down in your spirit. The why is always for God's glory, your benefit, and to be a witness to the world. Always, always, always. So why does God want us to save this wonderful, powerful gift of sex for marriage only? That's what I want to answer for you this morning. But before I do, let me give God's divine plan for marriage so that we're all on the same page. We find it in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and we saw that Jesus affirmed it last week in our message, and we kind of looked at these scripture verses, but let's start here once again. Genesis 1, verse 27, it says, so God created in his own image, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, 
Male and female, he created them. See that? That was on purpose. And God blessed them, okay? And God said to them, watch this, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, I don't know if you're getting what that last part means. I don't know if you understand what that means, but it means get married and have sex is what this is saying. You, do you understand? You are fruitful and multiply and fill the earth through the act of sex. How many know that's true? Okay. Now, look what God said about this plan down in verse 31. And God saw everything that he made, get this, including sex. And behold, it was very good. Some of you have never heard that from a pulpit. God created sex, and you know what God said? It is very good. In the next chapter, we find out some more clarity on where sex was created for. It was created to be in marriage. So what happens in the story is before God creates the woman, the man's already been created, God says, Adam, I'm going to parade all the animals by you, and you're going to name them. Now, did God need Adam, Adam to name the animals? No, that wasn't the point. What God wanted to notice is they were coming two by two. And God wanted to show him that I'm about to give you a gift called, well, Adam's going to name her. In fact, God gives her this gift. He gives her, him a wife. And Adam says, oh my gosh, this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. I should call her woman. The Hebrew there for woman, you know what it really means? It means soft. So this was a hands-on experience for Adam. He was like, oh my goodness, look at the gift God has given me. And then we read this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And this is, this is, this is where we get the definition of marriage. This, we're talking about marriage here. Watch this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, from those two verses that I just read, out of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we find God's plan for marriage involves a couple of things. And I want to mention this so that we're all kind of on one page before I talk about why keep sex in marriage. Here's God's divine plan for marriage. It involves, number one, two people, okay? This is where it starts. It's not three or, a, or more type of thing. It's, it's a two thing. And I know what people say a lot of times. A lot of times people say, well, pastor, there are people in the Bible that took multiple wives. Well, what you need to know is you didn't read far enough in the Bible. God said, don't do that. And if you read their stories, you see that it complicated their lives and brought a lot of trouble that if they would have just listened to God, it would have turned out a little different. Listen, marriage is two people, and these two people are two genders, one is male and one is female. Now, I, I know that's very unpopular to say today in, to, in today's culture, but I need to tell you, I'm not looking to be popular. I'm trying to help you understand the word of God. Amen. And the word of God is for you, not against you. The, God clearly in his Bible, in the Bible, has defined marriage to be two people, one of them a male and one of them a female. Marriage by definition is that. Anything else, are you ready for this, is sexual immorality. Now, we're going to talk more about this issue next time. So we'll come back to this whole gender and homosexuality next time. You're not going to want to miss that. So here's what you have. 
you have two people, one male and one female in one marriage. So God's plan is not just two people. You understand that? It's a male and female. It's not just them getting together. This is some where some of you are right now. You're living together, but you're not married. Well, you need to take it a step further if you want to get this area in alignment with God because marriage is two people in covenant with one another before God, committed to one another until death do them part. Listen, there is no marriage without covenant. You understand that? So here's the plan. Two people, two genders before God in covenant with, are you ready for this? Oh, you're going to love this. Lots of sex. And one, not the only, but one of the purposes for it is producing offspring. This was God's perfect plan for marriage from the beginning of time. So what is it? Two people, two genders, one marriage, lots of sex. That's where you're supposed to say amen if you're married, producing offspring. Now, with that as an understanding of God's plan for marriage... Let's now move to the question of why. Why should I keep sex inside the boundaries of marriage? Well, I want to give you three very practical biblical reasons with the rest of our time this morning. Here's reason number one, because sex is a relationship. Okay, It's not just a physical act. Now, the world will tell us that. The world will say, look, it's just an act. It's just physical. It's no big deal. Listen, the Bible teaches us that sex is more than just a physical act. It's not just something we do. Understand, it's a relationship that happens. You know, in our modern world, in our modern society, we have a phrase that we like to use for the act of sex. You know what it is? We're going to go ahead and make what? Love. We're going to make love together. You know, the Bible never uses that phrase to describe sex. Instead, it uses the word no or new. Look what, look what it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. This is just one place, but you see this all throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. Look at this. Now, Adam, what is the word? Knew Eve his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So all through the Bible, new is used to describe the act of sex. Why is that? Because sex is a relationship that you have with someone. And here's the deal. You ready for this? God designed it to be that way. Do you understand sexual intimacy is as intimate as you can get with another human being? And yes, it's, it's physical, but it's also deeply relational. There's, there's not only a physical mingling of body parts and body fluids, but there is a mixing of emotions and hearts that takes place. It's, it's a mingling of souls together. And here's what you need to know. God designed it to be that way. Okay, Here, here's, here's revelation for you. Sex was designed to be something that bonds or cements a married couple to one another. That's the word that's used for united or hold, hold fast. That's what it means back in Genesis chapter two. We read this already, but go back there for a second. 
depending on what version of the Bible you have, it'll say united there, or it'll say, it'll say in, in our version this morning, and hold fast. It's, the, it's a particular Hebrew word that means to be bonded together, to be glued together, to be stuck together. And so what I want you to understand is God created sex for more than just procreation. It was given to help a marriage remain strong and united and connected to one another. This explains to you why sex was designed, are you ready for this? To be addictive, fun, and pleasurable. Because God's plan is that you would become addicted to your spouse. That it would hold you tight to them. That you would give your sexuality to meet their needs and they would give their sexuality to meet your sexual needs. And in the case of marriage, listen, that is a very good thing. This is why your sex life in your marriage matters. And if it's, if it's not healthy, and sometimes, listen, that can happen for a num- number of different reasons. If it is not healthy, I want to encourage you, go get some good Christian counseling. Because this area is important in your life. Because when there's not a healthy sex life, you rob your marriage of a very important tool that is meant to keep you cemented together as one in that marriage. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul says this, but because there is so much sexual immorality, I mean, he's talking to a culture where it's running rampant. It's no different than our culture today. So because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his what? Own wife. And each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Now watch this. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. You see that? Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. We're talking about a sex bath there. Who would have thought there was such a thing? Amen. But watch this. Afterward, you should come together again in the act of sexual union. Why? so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You see that? A healthy of the devil. This explains this whole idea of bonding. There's a bond that takes place in a sexual union. This explains why statistics tell us that divorce rates are lower for people who waited to have sex before marriage. Why is that? You ever wonder why that is? I'll tell you why that is. It's because they come into the relationship with less relational baggage. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a healthy sexual life if you've had lots of partners. But what it will do is it will make it more difficult for you to bond. Because those other sexual experiences bring comparisons and expectations into that current relationship that you're going to have to work through in order to bond properly with the person you're with. This is also why pornography is so damaging as well. Because pornography creates a relationship, get this, with something that isn't even a real person. It's a fantasy world. 
that drags in the same kind of unrealistic expectations and comparisons that we just talked about. And that can hinder you from bonding with your spouse when it comes to sexuality. Listen, husband, wife, pornography will do that without you even knowing it. Look what Paul has to say here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13 through 20. Paul says this, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. That's what the culture was saying. Hey, this is just the way you are. Just, just have fun. It's no big deal. You can't just say it's no big deal. Watch this. Talking to Christians, your body, they were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And because the Lord cares about our bodies, he cares about what we do in our bodies. Watch this. And he gives an example of how important your body is. He says, and God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Otherwise, one day when Jesus comes back, all the dead in Christ are going to rise in bodily form. So your body matters. God's going to create your new body out of your old body. It's a seed of what's to come. That's his point that he's making there. He's basically saying your body matters to God. And he goes on to say this. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? He's talking to Christians here. Why is that? Because when you gave your heart to Jesus, God united you with Christ. Do you understand? A union took place. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually a part, are parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, now here it comes, he becomes one body with her. For the scripture says the two are united in one. Do you understand? There's a union that takes place. There's a uniting that takes place whether you get married or not. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So because that's true, watch this, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit with, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price, talking about what Jesus did for you. So, because all that's true, you must honor God with your body, even when it comes to this area of sexuality. Amen. Do you understand sexuality can hinder your relationship with God? It could put distance. I'm not saying you, listen, I'm not saying you can't be saved. What I'm telling you is when you are not aligned with God in your sexuality, it'll put a void in your relationship with God. It'll hinder your intimacy with God. It'll hinder you from hearing him, from experiencing the intimacy that he wants to have with you. This area is a big deal. What I want you to understand is this. Sex always has consequences, whether good or bad. Think about it. In God's way, when we talk about in marriage, sex is a good thing. It's meant to be something that bonds you and unites you in a place of security with one another where, where we can be open with one another and we can have intimacy and sex help us become addicted to one another and keep our marriage strong. In a marriage, when sex happens, there are babies that are, end up being born to moms and dads that are going to be in the same house, raising them together. 
In a marriage, there's, there's benefits of the release of stress and fun and enjoyment together. Listen, God wants you to know it's okay to have fun in the bedroom if you're married. If you've ever read the Song of Solomon, it's about a married couple enjoying this gift of sex. And at the end of it, God's going, that's great. That's awesome. That's wonderful. There's protection against the devil. Think about the opposite, the consequences of sex outside of marriage. If there's guilt, there's shame, there's regret that I just gave a piece of myself. I just mingled with somebody. I gave intimately to somebody who's not going to value it the way it should be. Manipulation happens. There's pain that can happen with it. There's all kinds of diseases that can happen. And then there's pregnancies that are not wanted. That lead to the killing of innocent life. There are families that get broken when people play with this fire outside of wedlock and it just creates issues and complications that didn't need to to be there. So do you understand not only is sex a relationship, but sex affects relationships. Sex inside of marriage works to build up and strengthen relationships to make them a blessing and a witness to the world. But sex outside of marriage actually works to destroy relationships and complicate them and make them something that can't be a witness for God in the world. Look look at the advice that Solomon gives his son about staying away from an adulterous woman. This could apply to the other way. You could talk to your daughters the same way. But look what Solomon says. He says, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 7, he says, So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I am about to say. Stay away from her. He just got done describing the adulterous woman. Don't go near the door of her house. Don't even, don't even go down that street is what he's saying. If you do... You will lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Otherwise, your reputation is at stake. Watch this. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Say, what is that about? Child support. That's what he's saying. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. Now watch what he says. You don't want to go down that road. So watch this. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. You see that? Keep sex inside of marriage. Only with your what? Wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets? Having sex with just anyone, you should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Watch this. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. So, why marriage? Why should I follow God's divine design to keep sex inside of marriage only? Number one, because sex is a relationship. Here's reason number two, because sex produces offspring. You know, the very best thing 
parents that you can do for your kids. I'm talking to all parents, married parents, single parents. Uh, those of you that aren't parents yet but will be one day, the very best gift that you can give to your family and to your kids is for you to handle your sexuality the way God wants you to handle it. Now, I think we all know that sex is how babies come about. How many would say, I know that? If you don't, we, we need another sermon for you. But did you know that the Lord wants more than just you to produce another human being? His desire, if you are a Christian, is for you to produce offspring that grow up to serve him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. God wants godly children out of your, out of your marriage. Look at it. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? So we're talking about marriage here. In body and spirit, you are his. And what does God want? Watch this. Godly children from your union. You see that? So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Do you know where children get their first impressions about God from? Their parents. I've seen this over and over again in the 22 years I've been a pastor. Listen, when parents live for the Lord and model that Christ-like character consistently, it will positively affect a child's understanding of God. When a parent doesn't live for the Lord and doesn't model his ways and Christ-like character, it will negatively affect a child's understanding of God. This is why people, and some of you, you say amen to this, who come from messed up homes and messed up parents and messed up family situations, a lot of times when those people come to find Christ, it's a little bit of a slow go for them to start to trust God. It's way easier for a child who had godly parents to grow up and trust the Lord. Why? Because they saw a good example of what authority looks like. We, we translate how we've experienced life to how we view God. You say, Pastor, well, what does this have to do with marriage, Pastor? Well, by divine design, it was God's intention for marriage to be a place where children would see a good picture of what God really looks like. And there's no greater witness to your children than a healthy marriage or a healthy single parent handling their sexuality properly. There's no greater detriment to your children than you handling this (laughs) improperly in your life. Listen, God created marriage to be a model of him, to be an image of him. You know, we looked at this in the Ephesians series, but let me remind you once again, one of the things we talked about when we had the marriage talk as we worked through Ephesians 5 was that God in the Bible is called a trinity. You say, what is that? One God who operates in three persons. So let me, let me bring those slides back up from Ephesians. Okay, everybody say one God. Okay? He's one God, but he operates in three distinct persons. You say, how can that be? He's God. That's why he's God. Amen? Amen. One God who operates in three, three persons. So the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God and the Father is God. God operates in relationship with himself. Do you understand God designed marriage to be a stamp of the Trinity? To be a model of the Trinity. So let me show you marriage just for a second. So go to the next slide here. God, husband, and wife. It's to be a trinity. 
Okay? And think about how the Trinity of God works. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Loving one another, mutually submitting to one another, helping one another to accomplish the purposes of God. This is how God wants your marriage to work. Husbands and wives submitting one to another, loving one another, being committed to one another, modeling to the world a picture of how God himself is. By the way, this is why two people who love each other out of covenant can never glorify God because you need to have covenant under God for husband and wife and husband and wife. This is why it can't ever be a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And I know that's not popular to say because it's a graven image of what God designed marriage to be. Now, let me just say this. Single parents, listen to me. Because it, this doesn't mean that you can't do this area well if you're not married. Every single parent says, amen. Listen, this is why it's so important that you get your kids consistently involved in church. Because you need strong marriages around them to help you in that area. Single people, this is why you need to handle your sexuality properly. And it doesn't matter at this point where you've been. Where you've been, you've been. But this is where you are now. This is, this is why you have to get the area of your sexuality right and model it. Because listen, being single with a church family is better than being united with, in the wrong way with the wrong person. You can't be bringing people into their life. Listen, your kids know what's going on. They know you're having sleepovers. I'm not saying that's saying happening with it, but some of us were running relationship after relationship. We're sleeping this one, this one, and they have no interest in God. They don't care about God. You are damaging your kids' ability to, to understand who God is. Why would you do that? You gotta get this area right, and you gotta start where you are because what is at stake is your witness your children. You say, but I've pastor, I've messed up too much. Well, this is where they can experience how God can restore yes. and bring yes. restoration yes. in your life. Yes. It matters who you bond yourself with. Listen, God is for you in this area. So, I mean, let me just say this too. I'm getting late here, but some of you are out here and like, well, you know what? It's no big deal because I'm past my childbearing years and we're just going to have fun. Don't you understand you're called to be a spiritual parent to others? Don't you understand that? When you don't handle your sexuality right, you became a witness that God can't use in the way he would desire to use in other people's lives. So why marriage? Number one, because sex is a relationship. Number two, because sex produces offspring. And here's number three, because you're ready for this, sex is an act of worship. Husbands, I tell my wife all the time, let's go worship, baby. <laughs> I know, I'm corrupt, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm serious when I say sex is an act of worship. Did you know that the Bible begins with a wedding in the Garden of Eden with the marriage of Adam and Eve, and the Bible ends with a wedding with Jesus and his church at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Yes. Marriage, when it's done God's way, you ready for this? Is a picture of Jesus in the church. It models the gospel. 
Isn't that what Paul said in the book of Ephesians? Let me take you back there for just a second. Remember when we were there, we were there in the last six months and we did this whole marriage talk in chapter five, you know, husbands and wives should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and wives should submit to their husbands as unto the Lord and husbands should submit themselves to their wives by loving their wives and laying down their lives for their wives. Do you understand when marriage functions properly? It's a picture of Christ in the church. Even when it comes to, you ready for this? Sex inside of marriage. Look at it with me for a second. At the end of Paul's instructions on marriage, Paul says this. So he's now been talking, he's talked to the wife and he's now talking to the man. And he says this, watch this, same verse that we read in Genesis. Same thing that Jesus talked about in Mark or Matthew chapter 19. It says this, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. We're not only talking about marriage there, we're talking about sexual union. Now watch this. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. You say, time out. Are we having a marriage talk? Are we talking about Christ in the church? We're talking about both. Because one mirrors the other. That's what God's divine design and hope would be. Listen, think about this. Sex was meant to be two people in a covenant relationship committed to loving one another, laying down their life for one another to honor and glorify God. Even the act of sex in marriage models that. Think about it. Two people in mutual submission, laying down their bodies to meet one another's needs to glorify God. Do you understand that's Jesus and his church, isn't it? Think about it. Jesus laid down his body on the cross because of his love for us to meet our greatest needs. And because we love him so much for what he did in laying down his body for us, we turn around and we serve him and meet his needs in this world to glorify God. That's why I say sex and marriage is an act of worship. Sex outside of marriage, you ready for this, is an act of idolatry. It can't ever glorify God. So, I want you to get this down. Some of you don't think about marriage this way. Marriage is for God, not for you. Oh, you benefit from it. But I do this God's way because it's about his glory. It's not about my preferences. It's about his glory. When I live for his glory, it always leads to my benefit and me being a witness to the world. This is why marriage matters when it comes to your sexuality. This is why the world's not right about it. Remember the quote that I gave you earlier? The why is always for God's glory, our benefit, and to be a witness to the world. That is so true when it comes to how you handle your sexuality. Why marriage? Well, because sex is a relationship. And because that's true, handling it God's way is for your benefit and your family's benefit. Because sex produces offspring, handling it God's way will affect your witness (coughs) to the world. And because sex is an act of worship, in marriage it brings glory to 
I want to close with this scripture verse because some of you are here this morning and you're like, boy, I wish I would have heard this 10 years ago. I wish I would have heard this five years ago. Well, listen, I got news for you. No matter where you are, Jesus specializes in people and he picks them up and he brings healing. And what he does is he gets their life in alignment so they can start glorifying God wherever they're at. That's the good news of the gospel. How many are thankful for that? Let me just show you that for just a second. I read from Corinthians earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and Paul was talking about, listen, you don't have to get married for a union to create, and it's going to complicate things, and it's going to mess with your intimacy with, with the Lord. And, and before he gives that talk, look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. He says, or do you not know that unrighteous, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. And a lot of people stop reading there because they're like, well, that's not me and that's not me. Well, just in case you don't understand, you belong in this list too. Watch this. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Do you understand all fall short of the glory of God? Everybody's a sinner. Now watch this. This is my favorite part. As such were some of you. This is the way you used to be. But you were washed. You were sanctified. Do you understand that's what God wants to do? He wants to wash you. He wants to sanctify you. He wants to get you in alignment. And he will forgive you. That's why it says, and you were justified. You see that? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you are in this area in your life, but the Lord is trying to get your attention. And what I want you to know is the, the Bible says this, if we confess our sins to the Lord, He is faithful not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For some of us, that's where this needs to start. There's some things in our life that are out of alignment and we're making all kinds of excuses and, and we're saying, well, and this and this. And the Lord is saying to you, there's so much at stake in this area. He's trying to protect you. He's trying to help you. And the Lord is calling you to get an alignment in this area. And that begins with saying, you know what? I realized this morning I've been out of alignment. Today's the day that I begin to get in alignment. So wherever you are right now, if you're out of alignment in, in an area sexually in your life, would you just go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I submit this area to you. I give it to you. Maybe it's, it's not being sexually promiscuous with other people. Maybe it's pornography. I mean, it could be a number of different things in your life. You're actually damaging your ability with relationships. And, and, and it's just the way that ball rolls because there's, sex is a relationship. Whatever it may be, God wants you to have a strong, healthy, glorifying marriage. And that comes when you get in alignment with him. So if you're here this morning, any of those areas, say, Lord, I confess it to you right now. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I, I pray that you would help me to live for your glory in this area. In the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you that you have left us with instruction so that we would learn and we would grow and we would be protected from the things that the world 
throws at us that say is right, but actually puts us on a path to destruction. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to live for you in this area in alignment with your Bible, with your words, so that we may glorify you and be a witness for you in this world. Thank you, God, for loving us. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen, amen. Well, you can now take the pillow off of your head.